Welcome to Lost or Found with Dr. Michelle Choi. The contents of this podcast and website are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition and before undertaking any diet, dietary supplement, exercise, or other health program. Welcome to Lost or Found today, and thank you for tuning in. Today, I'll be speaking with Denise Corella about the power of our thoughts. I would wonder if the normal population has fantasies about sex or something like that, of being whisked away to a romantic island, not working, and just being free to do whatever. I know I'm not normal, or I don't know, maybe I am. But anyway, my reoccurring fantasy when I was at my last job was basically telling my bosses, fuck you in a professional manner, and giving them my notice. When I had a moment to think in between patients, which was always on the toilet in the office bathroom, I would think this. When I was preparing dinner for my family, I would think this. When I was driving to work in the quiet of my car, I thought this. Saying fuck you to my boss in a professional manner. Then I came up with a phrase that carried me through a couple months. I hate this job so much, I would like to contemplate unemployment. It was definitely an inside thought for many months until one day I went up to my loving but crotchety neighbor who is 75 years old, who also did the same and pretty much translated fuck you to his workplace, the postal office, and retired early, and I told him my inside thought. And his response to me was, don't do it. What I really hated about primary care was that there was no time. You were given a job to help people, but given a paltry amount of time in which to do it. It was the business of healthcare that was so annoying. The focus ultimately seemed more to make money than help people. So in the end, it became really frustrating, trying to do someone's physical in the five minutes or listening to their list of issues in a matter of minutes, so that more patients are fit into the day. I do think most of our patients were nice but there were a few with whom you would wonder how they treated their loved ones at home. It always amazes me seeing a person mistreat another. There are stories of the apathetic doctor encounters, but there are also encounters of patients yelling and screaming profanities at the doctor or staff. The total lack of basic respect. Believe me, it's enough to make for a difficult day after an intense encounter. If you are a human, shitty behavior is going to make you feel bad because you care. And then you have the countless emails, the labs to review, the staff messages, the things to sign, which oftentimes would overflow into your evening. I was so rushed in my encounters with patients that the truth is, I really didn't know the majority of them. I didn't know what they did for a living. I didn't know how many children they had. I didn't know what they were thinking, which I think is really a shame. And my shackle was a computer. So much typing created tendonitis issues, such that I would have pain when typing and numbness when sleeping. It's pretty sad when your moment of reprieve is just going to the bathroom during your workday. Me and everyone else's toilet. Sitting on the toilet in all honesty was a time I looked forward to. I would work through lunch just to catch up with emails and labs or my notes from the morning to prepare for my afternoon. Maybe having no windows in the workspace didn't help either. 
A couple of years ago, I had been listening to a podcast episode on psychic teachers, and the hosts were talking about an episode on Fresh Air where Terry Gross had been interviewing a Bollywood director. And I believe the question that Terry had posed to the Bollywood director was something along the lines of, what do you think is the most unusual thing about American culture? And the Bollywood director's reply was that the people in the U.S., even if they are incredibly unhappy, will stay at the job for over 30 years for the sake of the pension. But what shocked me more than the truth of the Bollywood director's response was the podcast host's response, who was talking about that Fresh Air episode. She had stated that after she had left her last job and decided to do her current line of work, that she loved her job so much that she never thought of retiring. This utterly floored me. To love your job so much that you never think of retiring? I seriously had never heard that before. I remember that day, I walked into my evening hospital shift asking my trusted peers, have you ever heard that? Loving your job so much that you never think of retiring? Is that actually possible? Even as a hospital physician, we would talk or joke about how we were bound by the golden handcuffs of our organization, the generous pension itself. Basically, whatever happens, you work till the end for the mecca called retirement, where you don't have to work anymore and can receive your pension. But doctors are a population that has a higher and currently highest suicide rate, and doctors are known to die earlier than the patients that they treat. So in regards to the idea of the pension, hopefully, number one, you are alive for it. And number two, you are healthy enough to enjoy the benefits of the golden handcuffs in the end, and that you didn't fuck yourself too badly during the process. Greater than 30 years of hating or really disliking your job or being stressed doesn't exactly sound too healthy or health in the making. Barry Heerman wrote an interesting book called Noble Purpose, Igniting Extraordinary Passion for Life and Work. And he writes that noble purpose lies within each of us regardless of our social standing or chosen career. Our smallest deeds and words may make a difference not only to our family, friends, and coworkers, but quite possibly the whole entire world. His book talks about discovering your purpose, that the wherewithal to bring your noble purpose to fruition lives within, waiting to be revealed and released. This book is essentially about you, returning to your essential self, discovering the perfect wisdom you can contribute to others, fulfilling that which is seeking expression within you. However, he states that true noble purpose must offer the potential of great benefit for someone other than yourself. This doesn't mean that you must always act in a selfless way to have noble purpose. However, working with a noble purpose that benefits someone other than yourself will allow you to be powerfully rooted to society as a whole. Imagine that today is your last. How would you be remembered? I became a doctor because I care. And the irony of the situation is that I also left clinical practice because I care. When I worked in primary care, I was very frustrated. And I was an angry motherfucker at the time. When admin would ask me how I was doing, I would always reply the same response. Same old. And let them think of the rest. I needed to be truthful. But if I didn't get angry, perhaps I would not have had the courage to think about what wasn't working that there was no actual time built into your day as a doctor to do some good. 
that it truly is messed up and it doesn't make any sense, but it only makes sense if the focus is number one, money, and number two, health. Will my ass have to do some shifts in the hospital during the pandemic to make ends meet for my family? Yes. Do I feel sad that I am taking away free health insurance from my family in case something happens and we will be paying out of pocket for it? Yes. Am I scared that I am delusional and that I really may be a little cray cray and that this will not work out? Yes. Am I sad to be leaving some of my patients? Yes. Do I kind of wish my parents could help me out financially right now even though I'm not young? Oh yeah. But what is greater than my fears right now is my passion to learn about how you and I can actually live better, happier, and healthier lives. I would like to add to that and say, I want to know what it feels like to do something I love for work, something that makes my heart sing and hopefully can also improve the lives of others. We spend so much of our awake hours at work, wouldn't it make more sense if you did something you liked and perhaps even loved? It's hard to be true to ourselves, to not be afraid, but maybe it's possible. Why do most people live and not like what they do for a living? I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm asking you if you don't like your job, think about it. Maybe you're absolutely right. If you feel like shit, maybe it means something. One can't think about options until you recognize something could be fucked up. And if this feeling doesn't go away, maybe it's meant for you to hear it, listen to it, and not ignore it. If you don't know where to start, what do you love to do? How would you like to be remembered? It's okay to be afraid, for I'm afraid too. But at the same time, I can't help but wonder what it would feel like to do something that makes my heart sing. I want to know what it feels like to not go into a Monday waiting for the Friday, to not get to work in the morning and be thankful when the designated workday has ended, and be thankful for every month that passes. That just seems like a big waste of time, but one can accept it or not because it's a choice. Even a non-decision is a decision. Why have we come to just accept mediocrity or worse than that? I'm going to end with the boiling frog fable. In this story, if a frog is suddenly put into boiling water, it will jump out. However, if the frog is put into tepid water, which is then slowly brought to a boil, it will not perceive the danger and it will be cooked to death. That's the analogy of a job that sucks real bad, where you've made the choice to stay with it even though the alarms in your body were ringing. Welcome to the show today and thank you for tuning in. Today I would like to welcome Denise Correll, the Grateful Messenger, who is a psychic medium and special education teacher in her past, having taught all grade levels from pre-K through community college. She also hosts one of my favorite podcasts, Enlightened Empaths, that is focused on teaching people to embrace their true gifts. I certainly learned a lot from your podcast. Welcome to Lost or Found, Denise. Oh, thank you for having me, Michelle. This is such a pleasure. And thank you so much for being here. <laughs> love, love, love chatting with you. So I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun doing this. Thank you. So Denise, if I may ask you, do you think our thoughts actually matter? I think 100% our thoughts matter because it's amazing to me the more and more I do this work, how if, and with your medical background, I don't know if, how on the fence you'll be with this, but how much our physical body will be a barometer for what we're thinking, for what the people we draw in, for what, and what I'm finding is the more and more 
people that become more comfortable with who they really are, we're raising our vibration, we're changing our frequency, we're attracting people that that match our what we're putting out. So if you're if you're coming from a place of fear or insecurity or self-doubt, chances I do believe if those are your thoughts or your belief patterns, that's going to be more what you're going to bring in rather than highest and best or or raising it to the next level. And I think that's absolutely true. And I think a lot of us take our thoughts lightly, but I think it's something that we shouldn't take lightly. The The book, The Secret, talks about this. It's our thoughts and what we feel is what we're emitting out. And what we emit out is what comes back to us and perhaps what we manifest in our lives. And they describe it as creative forces in our lives, our own thoughts. How do you feel about that? Well, what's interesting is when The Secret came out, oh, I got the DVD, I read the book, I listened to the all of that stuff. And then over the years, I've watched things shift a little bit because it is, the premise of it is incredible. But also, when we're if you just put a picture of a Lamborghini on the refrigerator, that's not going to magically poof, have one in your driveway. I mean, so much of it, what they're doing now in the research and, and the more people work with manifestation is... You have to feel it. You have to really visualize what is it going to be like if that's my life. So a lot of people will just, what I always refer to as go around the barn, they'll keep going around and around in that same tight circle because they haven't jumped over that into truly feeling it at a level where it can match. So we can we can dream, we can think someday might, could, should, would, but unless we raise our vibration to match what we're trying to bring in, or change our, again, it goes back to what you said a few minutes ago about changing our thought patterns, then it, it's almost like the universe is give, trying, 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 and then they're, they're just stopping short because we haven't risk, lifted ourselves up to meet them halfway. I absolutely agree. And when I read The Secret, it seems like it's really about manifesting materialism. But that that same idea, I think it's important to like use that idea for us. Like how we think, how we feel, what we met emit out is really important. But I also think like a lot of us are very confusing. I think the message has to be clear. It it can't be like, uh, I want this, I want that, or I'm in so much debt, or I don't want to have three jobs. I think the message has to be really clear because messages like that, you're almost inviting or attracting more debt into your life or more, more jobs to your life. Like the whole idea of complaining maybe what the message that we emit is more more things to complain about in our own lives. I love, love, love the way you just described that because a, a real brief example is I struggled with some financial debt for many years. I raised my children alone, all of those things. And when all of a sudden one day I woke up and I shifted that from being about finances and dollars and money and I have to work so much harder to bring this in and shifted it to abundance, wealth, prosperity in all aspects of my life, it changed my world. So did I, I didn't, it goes back to changing the thoughts, but also the energy that I was putting out with it because it, it, I went from being in that lack mentality to that prosperous mentality and people's, and it's not, you know, click your heels together, three, three times magic wand kind of stuff. It's really about shifting your perspective and your attitude about what you, you nailed that so, so perfectly of what am I really trying to bring into my life? Not what am I inviting in unconsciously? Exactly. Like, you know, 
I think in order for the message to be clear, you know, for there to be consistency with what we're emitting out, I think fundamentally the actual, like the inside thought process has to change. Like maybe it would, it begins with what we think of ourselves. Because when you, th- when you describe it that way, then it's kind of like you're describing yourself as not worthy enough. But maybe the actual secret, the actual truth is that we're all worthy enough. That is so, again, so spot on because what I've found over the last several months, talking to a lot of different people, all different ages, demographic parts of the world, there's something, and this word is so overused right now, so I say it kind of hesitantly, but so many of us are saying, okay, I, I have to be who I came here to be. I have to step into my authenticity. I have to really, and the way, the, the visual that I have with that is like, we've all been given this little tiny light bright peg, like little kids play with, and we we when we step into our truth, we we're able to put our little plug of light into the collective, which is helping. That's helping with this healing and unity that's trying so desperately to take place. But so many of us have been either uh, programmed or encouraged or put in a certain path or we've stepped away from our true selves that now all of a sudden it's getting what feels as a collective much, much more difficult not to be who we really came here to be and do what we came to do. I think so, because I think like the general easier trend is to be like a naysayer instead of like a yay-sayer. Like if Mm -hmm. you see how a child talks, they're very clear with their message. I want ice cream. I need cleats. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, for us, we're like, oh, no, you can't. Oh, no, I'm not. Uh You know, it's like for them, it's so much simpler. And maybe it's life that changes us. But I think it's something to learn from. They're very clear with their messages. And they get that needs. If they say, I want ice cream, most likely I'm going to get them ice cream, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's interesting because that's always been one of my things. If we could have like a day in the world where everybody just viewed the world like a three-year-old because they're so honest, they're true, they're genuine. They tell you what they feel. They tell you what they're thinking. They're not mean. They're just very honest and direct. And exactly what you just said, this is what I feel I need for me to be happy, safe, and secure right now. And that might be ice cream. I absolutely agree. You know, I'm not a quantum physicist. I mean, like, basically did, like, okay in introductory physics, you know? Mm -hmm. But there's a quantum physicist, Dr. Fred Allen Wolf, who says, quantum physics really begins to point to this discovery. It says that you can't have a universe without mind entering into it, and that the mind is actually shaping the very thing that is being perceived. So maybe we do have impact with really with what we put out. Oh, I think so. I, I I really, really believe that because when you look back over different aspects of your life or different cycles in your life and you see how one choice or one thought pattern or one step led in a completely different direction than what you thought you may have been on, that's an, an excellent example of what you just said. That we can maybe envision like or what we hope for in our lives and that we shouldn't give up. But I think also like what we experience in life is something that we're supposed to address in life. You know, when I was reading The Secret, uh, there was this woman who was uh, who had breast cancer, you know, and she talks about during her path, during her illness, she would say to herself every single day, 
thank you for my healing. And I think those are really powerful words. And she talks about how she said those words every single day, thank you for my healing, multiple times a day. And after three months, she was cured, didn't need chemotherapy or radiation. And I think it's really important to have a goal. But what cons- and I think it's great that she said that. But I think what concerns me a little bit with that story is that I think whatever we experience in life, whatever we feel in life, I think we're supposed to think about it. It's not something to just go from A to B. I think that transition between A to B is something that we think about. So we don't have to learn that lesson again. Like what happened in her life that possibly led to this sickness and how is she going to live differently? And I love her idea of having a goal, but I think it's important to think about it. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And I also a huge, huge fans of gratitude. That's I start my day saying thank you. I end my day saying thank you. It's why my business name is The Grateful Messenger. I mean, that gratitude has been that and perseverance and tenacity <laughs> have gotten me through some some pretty rough patches in my life. But you're right. It's it's very, very much about finding our inner truth and aligning with that, not not to discount, but With that example in particular, I do strongly believe in the mind-body connection. I really do That think that we can. uh, I don't think anyone willfully asks for horrific things to happen to them, but I do think that continuous stress, fear, anxiety, um, so many things can wear us down physically and maybe make us more susceptible to bringing in an illness or a debilitating situation. I I hesitate with that because I think some people will say, my concern with the story you just told is, you know, oh, all I I have to do is wish it away. And and I don't think that's what we're talking about at all. We're talking about ownership. We're talking about owning our thoughts and our feelings and getting back to that core and saying, what is it in me that I need to look at and address so that I can face this head on? I agree because, you know, having seen people go through so much, you know, or like illnesses or it's something so tragic and sometimes something so difficult. But, you know, I don't think it's a death sentence. I think it's kind of like a time of renewal or rebirth. And I think in order to be like kind of born into a life that you want, it's important to think about why you are going through this process and perhaps what you want in your life, what needs to change not just like a stone to step over, you know, and hopefully land somewhere solid, but. <laughs> exactly. That, that is so spot on. Exactly. Because, and another thing, I don't know why I feel like I need to, to put this in is people will limit themselves. They'll say, oh, I've always wanted to do fill in the blank, or I've always wanted to, or I feel it's my inner knowing and light that I'm supposed to, but then they'll say I'm too old or I'm too young, or I've had this happen or, and I think part of this is realizing it, it's a continuous process throughout our lives. And we can, no matter where you start on the, on the path, it doesn't mean that's your destiny for the entire time you're on the planet. And with what you're saying, when we shift our thoughts, when we open up to more, when we align with our truth, it allows spirit, universe, whatever label, God, whatever label you want to put that on to come in and say, all right. Now you're stepping up and I want to help bring you, let, let's get you on that path and move in this new direction. I agree. You know, like 
I don't think it's ever late to change anything. I feel like I feel like this is kind of what the book The Secret talks about or the law of attraction. We're our greatest enemies. Like we individually, like no one else is putting like a a block there, but we do. You know, oh, like you're too old. Oh no, you're too big. But right. like everyone has a chance to change something if they want. Is it easy? Hell no. You know, it takes <laughs> it takes consistency. But you know what? If you change something that's on your mind constantly, like every day it shows up, every day you feel it, even if you think you're too old but you do it, who is that going to make feel better? Like you may feel better about yourself and that's priceless. Like that's amazing. I agree. And and also I feel like a lot of people right now and this again is universal. This isn't just in the states or in specific countries or de- demographics. We're being nudged. We're being nudged into stepping into more of our truth, our power, our purpose, and saying, "What? What did I bring here to help? How can I help with this shift that the world is going through right now?" And nothing is too small, and nothing is too big. And it goes back to what I said a minute ago about authenticity: is once you align with what's you, which bring what brings you, and not. You know, that old expression, do what you love and the money will follow. I mean, that's kind of a setup because it, it it's great and it, it can work that way. But there are other aspects we have to consider along the way. I mean, I, I heard this on a radio show years ago and this woman said, well, I'd love to watch all reruns and nobody's going to pay me for that. So you really have to be realistic as well as when you're changing your thoughts. Be, I mean, obviously, I'm never going to be a gymnast. It's not going to happen, no matter how much I might love watching it, experiencing, seeing it, so I can still enjoy that, but it's not my reality. And maybe that's an odd, odd example, but. Or even like a lot of people feel like, oh, in order to like really live my way, I have to like change my work, but it's even inviting something that you love, something that makes you feel great every single day, like the way kids feel, you know, they're really honest about it. Grown-ups hide it, you know, oh, we look okay, but inside we're like palpating with trepidation and we look, we feel fucked, you know, but that's not the way. <laughs> that's exactly um, it. I'm yes. sorry, I have a lot of inside head thoughts, you know. <laughs> no, but that's exactly it is we get so consumed and it, it is like there's a light switch where we go from being comfortable with who we are, what we look like, what our expression is, what we believe and think. And then we acclimate to what we think we're supposed to do or should do or might do. And But now what I love, love, love is these little folks that are coming onto the planet. Now they're not shutting off their light and they're coming in with this truth. So the other generations, and I, I have so much faith in this younger generation of they're shifting things for us. Um, I love, I absolutely love it. But people have been either because they thought they were supposed to or their family told them, this is what we do as a family or because you had a certain skill set or you a talent or something when you were younger that people said, oh, you have to be a fill in the blank. Um, one of my sons is very, very much wired like a, a mechanical engineer. Just came that way. He's always been that way. So his whole life during school, they're like, you've got to be an engineer. You have to be an engineer. and He's not. He has he he went to school, he did what he does, but he also he's not wired that way. He said, I can't sit, I have to do things, I have to be involved, I get too bored. So he found his path with that skill set, 
but it's definitely not the traditional path that people would have considered for him. And I think that's another part of this changing our thoughts is finding it in ourselves to say, my way of doing it will be okay. I'll, I'll get on the other side of this and, and step into my who I really want to be because then the self-acceptance can kick in. I think you know sometimes like if we think about like the grand scheme of things, it could be really overwhelming. If you feel that something is off in your life, and I think a lot of t- a lot of us feel it, you know, there's a lot of depression, anxiety, stress in the world. And you know, you feel like something is off in your life and you don't know where to begin. I think sometimes the answer is simpler than we think. Like I think it actually begins with how, what are you going to do right now to feel better so that you have the courage to perhaps change things in your life. But unless your ship or your vessel in life feels stronger, you're not going to know where to steer it. But things that add like joy to your life, maybe getting rid of those, you know, is the way in which you kind of help settle those thoughts or the feelings that emanate from it. Oh, that's beautiful. That is so, so beautifully stated because that's what we're trying to do, I think. We're trying to find that within ourselves and give ourselves permission to do that. To, to find that joy. And it, it's not, I, it's, it doesn't have to be big and over the top. It can be taking that first step of acknowledging, I know I need to do something differently to really feel like I'm on the right path again. I agree. And even that story that you told of that woman who was watching reruns of her favorite show, the way that made her feel, you know, and I think like, that's what I oftentimes think about, like romantic comedies or like good comedies make you feel good. Why are we not emanating those or producing those feelings in our life? Like, why are we just looking at a screen to remember that feeling? I think that feeling is a lesson for, you know, for all of us to figure out what is off in our lives. Why do we not feel that way? But the truth is we can feel that way. It's possible. It is. And it's not a lot of times from personal experience when I take a step back and I, exactly what you said, the, the whole, remember years ago, there was that book, the, the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and everyone was, be in the moment, be here now. That's been such a, a lifesaver for me during this whole tumultuous times is for a lot of folks, myself included, there's been a lot of old stuff from the past bubbling up, a lot of old concerns, loop tapes, fear base. Then there's also this uncertainty about where are we going? What's coming next? So really the only answer to deflect both of those and get to that centered place you're talking about, for, for me personally, feels like to, to be really solid and grounded and say, this is where I am right now. This is my life here and now. What can I do and where can I find joy in that? But Because if we project too far out or get stuck in where we've been, we never it, it causes that... Um, just that that really stuck place. Yeah, I agree. And maybe like with what you were saying, like Eckhart Tolle and remembering to be in the now, if you have crazy thoughts, like I have a lot of crazy thoughts. Sometimes my mind's really rambling and it used to be much more negative than it is now for me. Sometimes you really maybe need to shut the shit. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe like we really need to kind of shut some of those thoughts. And it's maybe like a simple way, even though it does take a little time, it could be like five minutes out of your day, you know, is even like the whole idea of meditation to quiet the mind, 
to kind of remember the truth, you know, just to kind of shut it a little bit, you know, so that you can hear yourself again, you know? When I was working out today, actually, because I, I had to work out today because, you know, every before every interview, I have a lot of nervous energy, like basically like <laughs> panic attack. Yeah. So I decided I was going to go to my gym and my gym, like the music at my gym is like my window into modern day culture because I've never heard that music before. Like I'm in my mid 40s. And the music that was on today was uh, Monsters in My Mind. And I was oh. thinking about this and I don't know the name of the song. She just talks about the monsters in her mind as I'm like trying to like reach hard for my breath you know? <laughs> and not pass out. But anyway, that's what I heard. She was struggling with the monsters in her mind. And I was wondering when I was struggling myself at that moment, why we so easily listen to the monsters in our mind instead of the actual truth. I think it's like the easier path is to actually listen to the monster in your mind or the shit in your mind. But the harder path is actually to reach out for the truth. And, you know, it could be a longer path to find the truth, but the most effective, the most meaningful path may be actually the longer one. Like, don't reach out for the easy answer, the what, you know, like what, what your mind is telling you at that moment if it's not good. You know, I think the longer answer, you know, it's the worth more worthwhile one. And it also goes back to so many, if, if we can shift our mindset to say, this is a journey, we're, we're going to continue to evolve and grow and move forward the whole time we're on the planet. If we get stuck in those places and we allow that, some people call it monkey mind, some people refer to it as anxiety, but whatever you want to equate with that feeling of not being able to shut your brain off it does hold you hostage. It holds you stuck and hostage. And I think it, that was beautiful, beautiful advice. The way you said that is stepping away from it so that we can uh, truly address what we what will feel better and will help us manifest what we're ready to bring into our lives. Yeah, it's totally true. You know, like there was a long period in my life before like, I, I went down this path where I would tell myself, God, you're so dumb. Like, I would tell myself this so much. And, you know, I think that's the easier answer. Like, I could have, I before, and I still have thoughts like that, you know. But before, like, I go there, I, that, I think that's the easier path, but not the most worthwhile path. You know, I'll stop and be like, man, that encounter could have been better, you know. Mm -hmm. But Michelle, you tried. You tried, <laughs> you know. You could try better next time. <laughs> that is beautiful, beautiful, because I had a, this probably, I don't know, a month or so ago, I woke up. And I was, you know, trying to get in better shape and I'm older and all these things. And then it like hit me out of the blue. And I thought, why am I still letting people's other people's opinions of what I look like or who I am or what I think and believe? Why am I still letting that have such a strong influence on how I navigate my life? And then it, it really hit me about the self-acceptance, the self-love, be happy in the shell that you're in, but also I thought, wow, imagine if I had figured that out 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, how different my life experience would have been. So a lot of, and it goes back to what I said about people are waking up, they're feeling that this younger generation or they're not going to fall into that, that hole, that, that dip. But when people can address that and say, no, you know what, I'm really okay. This, I'm a good, I'm good with who I am. I'm, we're, if we can all get back to that place of realizing that our individual light is it's that's the thumbprint thing. Nobody else can replicate who we really are when we step into our truth. 
And that would be my magic wand wish for all of us is to feel comfortable and confident enough to say, you know what, this is who I am. You either get me or you don't. And I think the truth is we have to get ourselves. We have to be okay with it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if we think of ourselves as like, you know, we were when we began the conversation, we were think, talking about how our thoughts are like emitters into the universe, like our mind. That's the energy that we emit. And with the law of attraction, that's the energy that we get back. When I was reading uh, The Secret, the issue, Rhonda Byrne was saying, there is no greater power in the universe than the power of love. The feeling of love is the highest frequency you can emit. If you could wrap every thought in love, if you could love everything and everyone, your life would be transformed. In fact, some of the great thinkers of the past refer to the law of attraction as a law of love. And if you think about it, you will understand why. If you think unkind thoughts about someone else, you will experience those unkind thoughts manifested. You cannot harm another with your thoughts. You can only harm you. If you think thoughts of love, guess who receives the benefits? You. So if your predominant state is love, the law of attraction or the law of love responds with the mightiest force because you are on the highest frequency possible. The greater the love you feel and emit, the greater the power you are harnessing. How do you feel about that? I, I believe it 100%. I truly do. I, and if you go back to John Lennon, all you need is love. And, it, and I know that sounds hokey, but it's true. Because that's, to me, the ultimate frequency. That's where, if what I when you hold your child or when you are standing at the ocean, if that's what, what brings you solace and peace, or when you're in that grounded, centered place of being in, like as we said, being present and now, and you feel that overwhelming sense of peace and openness and heart and connection, why wouldn't we strive to live in that more more often rather than in exactly what you're talking about a few minutes ago, that place of overthinking, doubting, fear, um, all that crap that we let get in our heads when we have the alternative to be in that place of opening our hearts and living at that in that frequency. But it's a hard, it's a hard, that's a big step. For a lot of yeah, because it's I mean it involves so much mercy, you know, like if to invite more love into our lives because what wasn't okay in order to like I, I think invite more love in our lives, we kind of have to like spit out the stuff that's no longer working for us, you know, to make room for it. But if that's the answer, like how are we all going to get to that answer individually? We have our own path, I think. Right, and how do we allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to let that happen? Because there is a vulnerability in this of, you know, being exposed, being, this is, there's a lot of us keep up a shield or a mask or a buffer because we're deathly, especially for folks who may be listening that are incredibly sensitive or intuitive or empathic. It's almost like you have to keep that buffer zone up to protect yourself energetically and protect your heart. And there's such a fine line between protecting your heart and keeping it closed off. I agree. Like, you know, when I think about it, like even for myself, like when I went through that period when, you know, a long period, like half of my life, where I felt like I was really dumb. The last thing that I want to invite into my life is more feelings that make me feel dumb. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I want to remember that I'm smart. If you think about it, like, if love is the answer, like all around us in the world, 
you know, there's so many things that represent love. Like how many songs are there? Like how many movies are there that talk about the answer? Like almost like every song or like majority of them is about love or seeking love mm-hmm. and feeling that way. I think it's a, there's a truth that's so obvious to us, <laughs> but we, we don't see it sometimes. But and you, you, again, it's another universal principle. And as a medium, I mean, I connect with loved ones for folks and that it doesn't matter where you live, your, your race, your religion, your, your economics, your address, it doesn't matter. It's about that love connection. And, and that's something, if we can get to that, I think it's going to allow us to step more closely into a place of unity as humanity that what we've been so desperately trying to find for so long. And I think this is like a really unique period in all of our lives, you know, like with the pandemic, some people need like things to happen in their individual lives to kind of be like, oh shit, do I have to think about this or like sickness or something, you know, Mm -hmm. or like a death in the family or something. But for all of us, everyone in the whole world is kind of like, this is a period where all of us have been stopped in our tracks. I don't think anything like this has ever happened before, you know, but like we're all supposed to maybe think about what have you been doing and what do you want to do in your life? Like you are the creator of your, your own life. That's a huge power. It is because so many people seem to be feeling this sense of urgency. I have to make the most of my time left on the planet. Point me in the right direction. What do you want me to do? And at first I thought it was, you know, my age or, or this or that. But then I was talking to people in their 20s, 30s, 80s, 60s. Everybody was saying the same thing. They're saying, I just want to make sure I'm making the most of being here. And that goes along exactly with what you're saying. Also, you know, my whole theory that we all tap into that collective energy. Why are so many of us feeling that right now? Because that's that path to moving into this new. And sometimes, and some folks believe this, some folks don't, and that's you know, what makes it all so, so interesting is that if we do come back for multiple lifetimes or we do come back to contract for certain things in our lifetime to happen so that for soul growth, I truly think that many of us agreed to come and help with this shift that we're all in right now. Sign me up. What can I do to help? I'll be there. And well, here we are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's such an inconvenient, uh, difficult time right now. It's inconvenient. It's like something that we've never experienced before. And how can you not think about this? Like what's changed in your life? You know, what works better? What doesn't work? Yes. Yes. But also not being able to stay in the same stuck, limiting parameters that we may have kept ourselves in all these years, whether it's, you know, you shutting off. I mean, you're a very educated woman. You're highly intelligent. So it's it's almost like I was kind of shocked when you said, you know, I, I've struggled with feeling less intelligent than I really am because it's so interesting. Or you meet someone who's stunning and they'll say, oh my God, I'm so, they'll hide their, their light. And part of this, if we want to go a little woo-woo on it, is that's what this is all about, is stepping into our light and our uniqueness and and truly saying, what you see is what you get. And I have to be this in order to help with this, this, uh, this new beginning that we're all really reaching out for. Yeah. I mean, like, even for myself, I think I went through most of my life, like feeling like an imposter, like I show one thing on the outside yet, like I'm a total mess on the inside. 
And, you know, I feel I think like that's all of us. <laughs> and I think this period of my life is like a period where I decided I'm going to be honest. And sometimes that honesty is really uncomfortable. You know, like, do people look at me and think that I've lost my mind? Yes, they do, you know. But like, to just know that I've not lost my mind, I believe that this is my way. And to like, to be firm on that, when everyone around me thinks different, you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, that's huge. That is so, so huge. And when you're brave enough to reinvent yourself and say, I can't do it that way anymore, even, and more kudos to you and the fact that you said, you know what, I know this doesn't make sense. I know this isn't logical. I know this isn't practical, but I know this is something I have to do to be true to myself. You have to admit there's a big charge that comes with that. It's like, I'm going to kick ass and take names now. Right? Well, I think, you know, I mean, the Monday after I quit, you know, the Monday after I quit, I mean, these are words I would never, ever say to anyone else. But to myself, the Monday after quit, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like such a loser. (laughs) But then I got dressed. Uh I got dressed and I felt better. (laughs) Yeah. And. Maybe that was something, my my career was something I needed to get rid of to make room for something more. I don't know, you know. <laughs> well, no, that that's interesting because I left a, a longstanding career with, you know, I had the, the degrees, I had the experience, I had all that stuff behind my the letters after my name. And honestly, that was one of the biggest transitions in stepping into the work I do now is none of that mattered anymore. What had been my identity for decades, what I had worked so hard for and gone to school and, and, you know, done all of these things, it all didn't matter. And that identity, when we change our identity and align with a different truth or a truth that resonates with us on a different level, that's scary as hell. I think it is anyway. Oh, definitely. And I think when you align yourself with your truth a little bit more, like, I mean, for me, like things that I love, the thing that I love is actually a self-help book. Describes my past. Like I really need a good self-help book, you know? And that's something that I love in aligning with my own truth. Like I smile more every day. My body physically feels different. I don't have the pains that I had, the chronic neck cramps. Like I really feel like I took a gigantic dump and got rid of some of the waste in my life. That's exactly what you're talking about, though. You you found you're heading more towards that joy, towards that love, towards that. And it is amazing how much our, our physical body will be a barometer for that stuff, isn't it? As far as toxicity in a workplace. And it, obviously, I'm no way in hell saying, oh, quit your job and go do this and that. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But, but thinking I am, about it. Yes. Know? Yes. And realizing if it might be different than what you've been told you're supposed to do or what you think you're supposed to do. But once you step over that fence, it's a whole different experience. Totally. I think a lot of us are not aware of our daily thought or how maybe we're complaining all the time. Like I was, you know, like at my last job, I complained all the freaking time to the point where my husband's like, shut the hell up, you know? And I didn't realize (laughs) how much I was complaining. Every time he asked me how it was, you're like, oh, this sucked and that sucked, blah, 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 you know? But I think, you know, sometimes we're not aware of our thoughts, but sometimes, you know, that translates into the feelings that you have. 
And sometimes I think if we don't resolve some of those feelings that we have, I think our feelings are, you know, we feel that because to kind of go back to what thoughts are you having in your life? And I think if we don't address it, like our bodies start feeling it, feeling it. And also, I mean, before maybe we emit all of that stuff out, maybe our bodies feel it before we emit it all out. But being strong enough and brave enough to face that and say, I don't want to, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to think this way anymore. That's an amazing gift to give yourself. Exactly. Or, or even being like, it's okay to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do about it? We all have our answers. And, and you just nailed it. It's it's feeling it because it is. It's cyclical and, and it's not always going to be, oh, and it's great and rainbows and lemon drops. Sometimes it's going to suck and that's okay because it's part of that cyclical pattern, but feel all those feelings and that's going to align you more with your own truth because then you're going to know, oh, I'm starting to feel that angsty feeling or upset or toxic. The other, the other day I didn't feel well and I thought, I just feel off. What's going on? And then I like rewound the tape, exactly what you're saying about. And I thought about a conversation I had had with someone that had left me feeling unsettled. And I thought, wow, I let that fester. I let that become this little seed that has blown into this feeling of, of uh, doubt or questioning or physical. Um, I felt really drained. And then I realized, boy, it wasn't me. It was that whole energy around that conversation that I had with someone. And do you feel like thinking about it, like kind of impacted your life, like in a good way, you know, like you going back and figuring out where those feelings came from, like, was it an important message for you at that moment, moment in time for you? Yes. Yes. And one of the things that I've done religiously since I was 17, 16, 17 is I journal every morning and I pour that out and I, 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 you know, if something's troubling me, if something's upsetting me, or if I'm trying to work through a situation, it's, and that's a, if you can get in the habit of doing it, it's a great way to reconnect with your own inner knowing and light, but also get clarity and perspective. So that instead of just being on that, did I say the wrong thing? Why was that? Why did this happen this way? And what you mentioned earlier of getting so in our heads about it. Sometimes if you write it or talk about it or release it or whatever, it allows you to get a different perspective and say, oh, okay, now I know what my part was in that and what I can do to fix it. Mm -hmm. It's true. Or even like how you mentioned, like, you know, like the idea of journal journaling, it's a modality in which to kind of maybe get it out, make sense of it, you know, mm -hmm. like, since this is a path that I'm starting, like before every single interview, like I have panic attacks, you know, I went to my gym and I go to my gym so that I could like have nervous fart, farting it out, you know, like, and there was a moment during the workout. I was like, wow, I, I don't feel nervous. Like I, I almost forgot about it. And my body just felt strong at that moment. You know, even though I'm like, I look like I'm having a heart attack, but you know, like, <laughs> but that's so spot on because it, it's, if that's what you need to release that energy, whether it's writing or singing or walking or working out or dance, or it doesn't matter, but having that release valve to let that steam off so that we don't keep it stuck inside. I think, especially during these times of shift and change, it's so important to find whatever, whatever your release valve is. Exactly. And it's just like, if you don't know, then keep on trying them. You know, sometimes it's multiple, like yoga, meditation, or even like shutting your mind off for a little bit. How are you going to shut your mind off so that you can hear 
And Denise, I really loved your interview with uh, Rick Jarrow the other day. Oh, he's amazing. Amazing he man. He really is. And it, it actually kind of, uh, it, I realized like when he was saying like, when you speak coming from abundance and not scarcity. And when he said these words, I realized, oh my gosh, how uncomfortable I am with these words. Like instead of saying, not saying I'm not, but just saying I am enough. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, I want to be somebody, recognizing that you are somebody to start from those those points before you you know develop yourself. It, it really was profound to me because I realized, oh, my gosh, and I'm like looking at these words. I wrote it down when you guys were talking and I'm like, I am enough. I'm like, I thought that was a question, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I am somebody wow, like it really made me feel uncomfortable, but I realized why am I feeling uncomfortable? And I think it's kind of like a great thing to come from abundance instead of coming from a place where you feel like you don't have enough. I think that's everything. And that can, that, that works with, you know, materialism, finances, all of the things we talked about earlier, but also relationships of feeling that you're enough to be in a healthy, supportive relationships and friendships. It can be reworking who you are. And I loved his story too, because he was on one path and then said, this isn't my path. I, you know, I had gotten accepted to Harvard. Harvard was, was ready to move forward in that new direction. And then said, no, I need to go to India and study and really go within. So I'm not saying, you know, finding what works best for you but just uh, listening to the depth and how many years of experience he's built on that and continued to grow with his belief system, it, it's absolutely mesmerizing to, uh, to strive to be in that place as well. I mean, I think that's a great goal. It's total courage, you know, because mm-hmm. no matter how long something takes, he stuck with it to kind of go on his path, to continue his path. And you had mentioned this earlier, like, I think in order to really start feeling better, sometimes the truth is it will feel really, really bad in the beginning when you stop something. Like, you know, even with alcoholism, a lot of people want to quit. But the truth is, before it starts feeling better, before you feel like, oh, a day can go by and you don't need that drink, it will feel really bad. But I think the thing is, it's kind of like you need to, you know, if you want, you can clearly remember your goal, have it in front of you. Why are you doing this? And I think everyone deserves an opportunity for change, even no matter what life we've we've led in the past or whoever we've hurt. The fact that youth at this moment in time feel like things in your life have to change, that's also coming from abundance. Do you know what I mean? We all deserve it. Like you are somebody. Yes. Yes. And what flashed in my mind when you said that was uh, forgiveness, forgiving yourself for choices you made or forgiving other people for circumstances. And they always say, you know, you're, you're the one that's suffering if you can't forgive. And if you've had something... I'm thinking of a situation in my life that was that was quite heinous. It, it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. It wasn't equitable. And I held on to that for a long, long time, not in victim motel, modality, but being hurt, being very hurt. Why? What did I do wrong that someone would treat me that way or that that circumstances went in that direction? But if you keep, like you say, you keep taking that ice pick and chiseling away at that, eventually it gets to that place where you wake up and you're like, Oh, I don't feel that pain anymore. I don't feel like it's holding me stuck anymore. And it, it, it's a gradual process. But 
it's much better than hanging on to that resentment and bitterness or fear and having that be what consumes your everyday life. But you are so incredibly accurate with sometimes it really sucks and it's ground zero and it's, um, I don't want to do this this way. It's easier not to. But it may totally be worth it. So it changes your life. And I think like what you say, like what you're saying, it's our choice. This is the uniqueness of life, I think. Like it's our choice to stop and it's our choices to begin. We oh, can stop that. and we can begin. Love, love, like, love that. That's our power of humanity, you know, like no matter who you are, what you've been through or what you've done, it's our choice to stop and it's our choice to begin. That's probably one of my, if we want to be prideful about our children, my sons are men now. They're they're very nice, grown men, good people. And I know that's subjective, but I'm their mother and I can say that. Um, <laughs> but if, if I, if they've made, um, you know, taken a left turn, they both will be, that's the first thing they'll say, they'll say, I made a choice. Or if there are people in their lives that have, have uh, impacted them greatly, they would, that's the first thing they've made a choice. And I think breaking that cycle with ourselves or with people we care about to realize we're in the driver's seat and we get to make that choice. Even it, it might not be easy. It might not be fun. It not, might not be popular, but we still always, 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 each and every one of us have been gifted with um, change, with choice and free will. Yeah, and I think even if we're like mentally not ready to acknowledge it, that feeling that you have, if it's not going away and it continues, you know, like more than like a week, you know, kind of thing, you know, like <laughs> you know, if it continues and that's a me- that may be a message for you. Right. That's telling you hells yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. You are having that feeling. And what is the message within that feeling for you? Like it's something to address or not, I guess, you know, but why have that awful feeling for like a year or something when it could be taken care of? And it also is going to help someone else step into their truth. If you deal with your shit and then can help and someone can see that, it might help that it might be like, oh my gosh, she went through this, this, and this. What am I waiting for? It's not, it is possible because we never, ever know the ripple effect we're having for somebody. We don't. And I love, love, love that because that means it's, it's not about us. It's us about being conduits for spirit and saying, what can I do to help? What can I do to, to help make this a better planet or a better place? And, and that's what, when you're saying you're, how much your thoughts are who we are, thoughts become things, or you can go back to uh, the Course in Miracles or the secret, any of these things. It, it's always that same message. And what resonates with you in your truth? And that there's a social responsibility to it, like the pandemic. Like we're supposed to, you know, act cautiously, act, you know, you know, wear masks, you know, socially distance not just our, for ourselves, but for the social good. And I think that's something that should never be forgotten when the pandemic hopefully goes away one day. But like, you know, there is social impact to what we do for the good of society, you know, one another, or or hearing a good conversation and thinking, yo, what seed am I going to grow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm from New York. <laughs> 
stepped right into that old life. I won't I won't step into my North Boston right now, but we, we can do that. <laughs> um, you know, I really um something that he, uh, Rick Jaro said in that interview uh really made me think and it kind of makes me think uh you know regarding that story that you just told us about how you were feeling after I would imagine that interview you know Mm -hmm. but how he describes how depression is something that leads us to abundance that it's important to feel the depression or the angst because there's a message there or wisdom there and being present in that moment to feel it but not being prey to the reactions of it I love that that there's better days ahead but you gotta feel it. It's yes. there for a reason, you know? Yes. And that is, and no disrespect, because if someone actually is in a place where they have clinical depression and they need medication to, to alter that, chem- I a hundred percent am behind that. But I think so many people are suffering from depression, from anxiety, from overwhelm and owning that and saying uh, like so many beautiful, lovely, creative, intelligent, kind people but then that that depression and anxiety kind of puts this cloud over their lives. But it seems like they walk hand in hand with these bright, bright lights, these amazing. And that's from all my years of working in public education and high school. And I would meet these amazing young people who were charismatic and funny and intelligent and just beams of light, but would suffer from anxiety and depression because they didn't feel like they could fully be who they came here to be. Um, and it, it's epidemic. It really is. And I think that's the truth. It just, you know, like our society doesn't talk about it, no. but this is a problem that exists in our society. You know, all of us at some point in our lives have felt this way, I believe. It's just that we hide behind the persona of looking okay, but like, why live life like an empty tin can? Ooh, like fill ooh, it up good. with love, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> You know, for me, be Asian. Fill it up, you know? (laughs) Don't go walking around empty. (laughs) If it's free, right? Mm -hmm. If it's free. Right. I think our health is is such an important thing, like our overall well-being. And I think a lot of times, you know, we look elsewhere for the answers. But I think, you know, I think it's important to know what our resources are, but I think a lot of those answers you have within you, it's like staring at you right in the face kind of thing. And it's important to look at, to feel it, to address it if you don't want to live that way. Right. And it's it, perhaps it's a message. Yes. And one circumstance in my life, I used to really suffer from debilitating migraines, terrible migraines. And I changed the situation I was in and... Lo and behold, the migraines left too. So it, it is amazing. Also, it, it's there's there's no point in being here if we're not going to enjoy it. How long were you suffering from migraines then before you changed that something? Um, I had migraines most of my life. And as a sensitive person, that was the way that I manifested anxiety was with headaches. And But truly, I would say, the, <laughs> this is almost embarrassing to admit out loud, I was with my ex-husband for 17 years, so I would say maybe 16 and a half. <laughs> and he's a he's a good man. He's intelligent. All those things. We just didn't. We had some some strong yeah. differences. But again, so were the migraines getting worse then yeah. during that time? Yes, and more frequent. Mm-hmm. 
and more frequent. And then when I, it's been many, many years since then. So I would say in the last, oh my goodness, 2001 to now, I've had three. And I was, had the medication. I had the, you know, the emergency mm-hmm. medication you have to keep if you're, if you suffer from migraines and they would be two, three times a week sometimes. And I mean, spirit was really shaking my ass and saying, Denise, are you going to keep doing this or are you going to wake up? So, yeah. And I think sometimes even at the moment, like even though you experienced migraines for so many years, I think when it's like chronic like that, we don't clearly understand how bad it is. Right. Until that one day it feels better and you're like, holy shit, I felt that way. You know, yeah. like, wow. Like it becomes your normal. Like, yeah. Which don't, don't you feel the same way about the, that's the, the beauty and the gift of, of depression or anxiety is when you're not feeling it, it gives you that like, oh, wow, I, I can be here or okay, obviously no one can see me making these levels with my hands, but I could be here or I could be, or I can feel this way. And I think sometimes that can be the catalyst for shifting our thoughts about, well, what brought me to this higher level? What brought me to this place where I'm not feeling that anxiety? And it's similar with the health stuff or our toxic work environment, or when you mentioned how much better you feel physically, mentally, and spiritually, since you did step away from your, your work environment, that's paramount. Exactly. Or even if like one way doesn't work for you, like I really believe don't put all of your eggs in one basket, Mm -hmm. spread it around, try a couple, you know, but don't stop keep at it if it's not going to kill you like you know if it's like if it's like theoretically kind of good for you like don't stop continue give it time maybe add something else like but sometimes I think the answers are very very obvious if you think why am I having migraines and something pops in your head yo that may be the answer I don't know you know right right and that's it can be that simple but there's still having to look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, am I ready to own my stuff with this? Am I ready to own what I think, believe, feel, and and either keep it the way it is or shift it up? That's true. You know, and even for me, like, um, you know, I mean, my last career was just not for me, you know, like I love some of my patients. They were so super kind, but I didn't feel like it was my way to really do good in the world. You know, I want to do something that makes my soul sing kind of thing as I really go on a path where I hopefully can really help a lot of people. But, you know, there's been times when listening to your conversation with Rick Jarrow, often days, my days involved wanting, I've never experienced this before. My days at work would involve my wanting to pound my head against a wall. Oh, oh, that's not a good day. <laughs> like, do, you know, like feeling in prison, but that was a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why I would come home and my husband's like, God, you're so negative. But I really felt, and I felt a lot, I felt a lot of frustration. I was disillusioned. I was wondering, why am I here? I'm supposed to do something, but I'm really not allowed to do that thing, you know? Right. And this, and he was saying that, you know, if you don't believe in who you work with or for, it's a misalignment. That's what Rick Jarrow had said in your in this interview with you. And it will come and bite you in the end. It's a community thing. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, one thing that I held inside after I heard that was that, you know, privately, I kind of felt that if I didn't leave, I knew that I would be getting sick at some point. Like, I felt those feelings so vibrantly that I knew if I didn't leave, I don't know, maybe a couple of years down the road, 
I knew that I would get sick with something. Like it was like starting, it was like, it was like festering. Like that's how it felt, you know? And I think that's the truth. Our feelings matter. Our feelings don't lie. Like even if we lie to ourselves, our feelings don't. No, and that is an excellent point because that's why I left my, I mean, much closer to retirement than you are. I could have stayed. I could have ridden the wave. I could have done. And then I started looking around and thinking, if I don't get out of here now, I'm going to end up sick or I'm going to end up not. It's going to greatly impact my quality of life. So those are hard decisions. They're really hard decisions, especially with what you said earlier, if they don't fit with what other people think your life is supposed to look like. But Rick Jarrell's book on, you know, the anti-career guide and, and aligning with that, it, it is. I think so much of it is when you find that passion of doing something that you you just want to help, you want to raise. And what I found over the years for myself and other people is if you have that passion, you have the work ethic and you have, there's a way to be of service or to help, the universe, spirit, all that is will roll out the red carpet to help you be successful. But if you keep yourself limited and stuck and saying, this is all I'm capable of doing, that's really tying their hands as well to be able to open up for these new vistas. It's true. Like, I really think that, you know, doing something that you love and it doesn't always have to involve like a job change or something, you know, it's like you make your own decision. But like, I think doing something you love, creating those feelings of love, emitting that love will bring opportunities for you. Like, I don't think they're like, oh, in order to do something you love, you got to be poor your whole life. Right. <laughs> I don't think it's like that, you know? Yeah. I think it's rewarded in ways that you can sustain that. It's just like, it just, what is that? Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's faith, you know? Like I was talking to my son's flag football coach the other day, you know, because he's such an interesting person. When you see these kids play on the field during the pandemic and all of them don't have school, they're all in remote school. There is such joy emanating from that field of kids running. They don't want the game to stop. And they're talking about how that one hour scrimmage felt like 10 minutes because they were having fun. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I was talking to the coach about, you know, a possible interview in the future. And then he was like telling me that he never worries about, you know, uh, attracting uh, the number of people he attracts to the camp because of his faith he knows that it will be taken care of. Wow. That the right people will come and mm-hmm. look for him. And that floored me, you know, like as I'm experiencing unemployment working on this. <laughs> just just that, that faith to just know, to let in, just to know. Gosh, that's a good feeling. <laughs> it is. But, but everything that you're putting out there is to raise the vibration. That this is your work. And you did it as in your former career, but now this is able to cause a ripple and reach even more people. Exactly. And you know, for that guy, for that coach, that game felt like 10 minutes too. Right. Wow. Like to actually do something you love and to help these children mm-hmm. who are maybe not having like the best times at home right now with school and God knows what happens in their home environment. But you you nailed it. There's such joy. The one that gets me is when kids sing. Like if you ever see a a bunch, a, a group of children, little kids, high school, in between, when they sing together as a group, I tear up every time. There's something so pure about that, and it's similar when kids are in that full game and they're running and they're 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 not holding back and they're that joy. And I think that's what we're trying to reclaim in ourselves is that that sense of freedom and joy and happiness and fun. 
And it it exactly to be about leaving you you again. It, I I would never encourage someone to leave the job because sometimes we have to stay in a job because it pays the bills or it takes care of our children or we have medical coverage or whatever. But you can find it in other aspects of your life to counter that. Exactly, and I think maybe you know maybe the truth is more obvious than you think it is. Love that. Yes. Denise, thank you so much for joining me today. It was such a fun conversation. And your podcast has taught me a lot and I love it. Enlightened Empath. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to Lost or Found with Dr. Michelle Choi. Follow us, Lost or Found Podcast, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe 